Hello, everybody, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the latest edition of the Real Steamy Podcast. I'm your host, Jarvis Hall, Executive Director of the East Metro Steam Partnership, where you know we always keep it real steamy. Uh, today, we have a very, very special guest. Uh, let's give a big round of applause, everyone, for Jackie Wurz, the Executive Director of Saturday Academy. Everybody give her a big, big round of applause. Jackie, thank you for being here. Right, excuse me, I have to, you know, as, as I'm in a program, I have to, I always believe in giving the honorifics. Uh, so it's Dr. Jackie Wurz. Yes, I graduated from the 24th grade with my PhD in biochemistry, but all that means is that I'm tremendously stubborn and I had a question I wanted to answer and I just stayed in school until I answered it. Yes, and I know you know you don't you don't always throw the honorifics out there. I like to throw them out there, especially because I know how 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 hard you you work. You know, I know how hard I'm trying to work in my in my degree in, in, in leadership, I can imagine uh, getting it in a, a STEM field with just, oh, I, I remember how much fun I had just in regular chemistry class and biology class and, and those kind of things. And imagine getting a PhD in it. Uh, man, that is fantastic. So I'm going to call you doctor um, until you throw stuff at me and tell me to stop. But uh, I just wanted to make sure to honor your honorific uh, because you are a you're you're a cool doctor like like that's like a cool doctor to have like you walk in a room and you say this is my doctor that's kind of cool you know mine and leadership people are like oh that's not see mine yours nobody asks you where are you gonna do it <laughs> so, so like you know when I tell people I'm working on a, a PhD in leadership the next question people ask is well oh, that's that's great. What are you going to do with it? You know, when, when, when you when you come in with George, nobody's like, you know, you know, pressing you on having an idea of what you're going to do with it. They just like opportunities are going to just fall out of the sky. Well, I actually have the the exact opposite problem. Usually when I tell them what my PhD is in, there's just silence. People are like, oh, OK. And then they're just silent. So then I always tell people like, oh, yeah, my PhD was in this rare form of collagen. And do you know what collagen is? is? And most people are like, yeah, I think I have a general idea. And that's when I get to whip out my collagen facts. So collagen is the major component of skin, tendon, and bone. And then I ask people, if you were to take your skin and stretch it out, guess how big of an area that would be? And for an average adult American, it's the size of a queen-size sheet. Man, so we have a queen size sheet of collagen. Of uh, skin, now, yeah. Of, now, now myself, I'm a little bit bigger, so I might be <laughs> one of those California king <laughs> sheets on there. But you know, because I have to nerd out for a quick second. What was your what was your dissertation topic? My um, dissertation was on a rare disease in collagen that involved a single point mutation in a protein that caused a lot of different phenotypes or different manifestations in different animals. So for example, it was discovered in American quarter horses, which is a purebred strain of horses. And what this disease was called is called HERDA. And at very, very warm temperatures, the horse's skin became unstable. And if the horse was exposed to temperatures above basically 100% 
100 degrees for more than 24-ish hours, the skin would actually start to fall off. So it's a very devastating disease in hot temperature climates for these horses. However, uh, the same disease has different manifestations in different types of organisms. So for example, for humans, if they had the similar point mutation in a human embryo, it's non-viable. The embryo would not grow up into a baby. Uh, but the same point mutation in chickens sometimes causes double beaks, but the chickens are fine. And in mice, it causes a slight increase in furriness, but that's about it. So it's a really fascinating way to figure out that biochemistry is different from animal to animal to animal. And it was a really interesting experiment to learn that. Wow. That, that is exciting. And now all of a sudden, all I can think about is a chicken with two beaks. And so, <laughs> so, I will so say, thinking, I will say that the chickens with two beaks were very, very intriguing looking, but they didn't live for very long. It's not a, it's not a good way to to go about life with two beaks. Yes, yeah, you know, it's already it's already bad enough. You have you have one beak, and then you got another beak pecking at you, and there's a whole lot of you know, there's a lot of beef between the chickens. You, know, you yep. like what I did there? You like mm-hmm. that? Nicely done. Okay, okay. so I, I I still have a lot to be desired for my comedic career, uh, but we are, we are going to work on that. Uh, we, are, we are really excited to have you here. Um, we will, you know, of course, I love some of this biochemistry stuff because I'm a, I'm a nerd in that fact. I'm, I'm terrible at it, but I love discussing and learning about it and all the, the, the cool things that are, that are happening in that area. But we're going to have a, a great discussion. We're going to uh, talk about uh, Want to learn a little bit more about you know what what made you you interested in that and then you know where the change kind of came for you to go from uh, you know being that person in a STEM uh, in a STEM area specifically to now kind of being in the the nonprofit world of of leading STEM and and and, and getting more STEM opportunities for for young people and to see that that those that that transition you know, could be as, as smooth as it was. Uh, and plus I'm excited to talk Saturday Academy. When I was, a, when I was a kid, uh, I, I've always admitted to you that I used to always want to go to Saturday Academy. I always thought Saturday Academy was the, the coolest thing, but I could, ne- I never got an opportunity to do it. So now I get an opportunity to work with Saturday Academy and I'm excited to, to have you on it and talk about those things. But before we get too deep into it, I started getting excited. We started talking about proteins and hemoglobins and, and all kinds of, of other stuff. I want to first take a quick break and let everyone know that this week's edition of the Real Steamy Podcast is brought to you by STEM Oregon, which is hosting STEM Week 2021 from May 8th to May 16th. This is the seventh annual STEM Week, which is a statewide movement to raise awareness, celebrate and engage in activities involving science, technology, engineering, and math. This year, they're thrilled to partner with Remake Learning Days across America for the first time. So please feel free to go to the website. During during this year's event, you can participate in the Talent City Maker Directors Program. Uh, Allison French and have the opportunity to participate in small group conversations around this year's STEM week. Feel free to go to the website, stemoregon.org 
slash STEM Week 2021. That's STEM Week Oregon slash STEM Week 2021. So I have to go back. So you went you went and got this really cool uh, you got you got you got this really cool PhD and you learned all about the horses and the and the uh, the the other mutations in college. And what was what was your first move kind of after after that work? So you got well, the PhD, you got the funny hat, you walked across the stage. What what happens next for, for Dr. Jack? Well, let me tell you that funny hat is really truly um, special to me because I had a very long graduate school experience and it was full of struggle. So there was not much about my PhD that was easy. Uh, pretty much everything that could go wrong did go wrong. So I developed a neurodegenerative disease in my hands. So I couldn't use my hands for nine months. Uh, I had a mental health breakdown and discovered I was bipolar during graduate school and I had to take a medical leave of absence to deal with both the hands and the mental health. And during that time, my lab shut down. So then I had to find another lab. So it was this really epic Greek tragedy of a journey through graduate school. But what kept me going was the fact that I still wanted to answer my question. What happens to this protein? What happens to this enzyme? And why is it causing this particular manifestation of phenotype? So I kept on keeping on. And that skill of keeping on, keeping on is the most valuable skill that I have ever learned in my life. And I truly think that STEM helps people think differently and be critical thinkers, but it also gives us a strong backbone of resilience and perseverance because answering questions that nobody doesn't have the answer to, that's hard. Uh, you're going to fail a lot before you get to the answer or create that new bit of knowledge. So that perseverance and resilience that goes hand in hand with that curiosity to allow me to finish that PhD. So as I was wrapping up the PhD, I have this curiosity about what can I do with this degree? Uh, the traditional thing would do a postdoctoral research position and then try and get a faculty position. But I was really interested in how I could use the degree in different ways. Uh, there's this thing called bench science, wet bench science, where you're actually at a scientific laboratory bench doing things with materials. I wanted to stay involved with science, but not at the bench. And I spent one full year doing informational interviews of everybody I ran across. So I'd say, who are you? What are you doing? What were you trained to do? What skills are most useful to you in your position now? And when I say everybody, I really truly mean everybody, like grocery store clerks, librarians, scientists, CEOs, everybody I could ask those questions of, I did. And I came away with a couple of key things. The first of which is, is that the key skills that you will use in your life are exactly what the PhD and many, many other disciplines train you for, which is perseverance, curiosity, and resilience. And then I also learned that what your degree is doesn't matter. You can go forge a career path in a lot of different ways. So when I finished my PhD, I actually went and applied to a wide variety of jobs. I got four job offers in completely different sectors. And then I chose to go into uh, data science at the library. I actually became a data librarian and um, moved away from bench science and moved into more of like an informatics and information management perspective. And that was something that really was I mean, combining a lot of interests of mine. It was education focused. It was working with data and information, but not necessarily at the bench. So that was my first step out of graduate school. Fantastic. And what brought you, what brought you over to the Saturday Academy? Now, Saturday Academy has been around, man, it's been around 
all my life. I believe it's been around since 80, what, 83? Uh-huh. I think it's when Saturday Academy came around. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, what 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 brought you what what brought you over to Saturday Academy? What what made you say, yes, this is where I, I need to hang out? Well, working at Oregon Health and Science University first as a data librarian and then eventually as an assistant dean and director of career and professional development, I continually focused on students and how I could best support the students in their educational journey. I supported roughly 22, 23 different graduate programs in the School of Medicine with student affairs and career and professional development support. And in that role, I was charged with making sure that our students felt supported during their tenure as students and that they found successful careers upon completion of their degree at OHSU. And working with students is one of the greatest joys you can have in STEM. Students are so creative, they have incredible energy, and they have the best perspective. They are optimistic and they are goal-oriented and they just want to make incredible things happen. So working with students has always been something that I gravitated towards. Uh, After 15 years at OHSU, I realized that I wanted to make a different impact on students. So I was working with what is the terminal end of your your educational trajectory. Getting a PhD degree is kind of like the last, the highest degree. It's the last degree that you can really get. Um, So working at that end of that spectrum, I saw a way that I could make impact in the way that my students went on to make impact. But what I kept on hearing again and again and again were these stories of, you know, I came into science because of this incredible thing that happened when I was a kid. I took this science class where I got to make a, uh, a, a paper mache heart and learn about the anatomy, about how the human body works, or I did a Lego robotics class and like changed my life. So working on the different pathway, uh, the different end of that pathway of student exploration and excitement was something that I was really intrigued by. And the other factor was people that came to science very late because they didn't get those opportunities. So maybe they were told that they were bad at science, technology, engineering, or math when they were younger. And then later on in life, they discover that, no, this is actually something I'm really interested in. And they come to it later. And that's a missed opportunity. They weren't given the encouragement and support at the right time in their lives to be able to pursue that STEM career or that idea of STEM. So that's something that I really wanted to make sure that I could give that opportunity to as many people as possible. So Saturday Academy, as you mentioned, has been around for 38 years. And the reason why I know about Saturday Academy was because I was a Saturday Academy reject. So I applied for the apprenticeships in science and engineering when I was in high school, and I didn't make the cut. So it was a a pivotal moment for me because I realized how badly I wanted to have that scientific experience and exposure. So even though I didn't make it as a Saturday Academy ACE intern, I ended up creating my own internship and that set me on my path in science as a, a career that I really wanted to pursue. So I want to try and make sure that as many students as possible do have the opportunity to engage in STEM, whether that's through Saturday Academy classes or our internships. Uh, So after 15 years at OHSU and working with the tail end of the educational pathway, I wanted to make a difference throughout the earlier portions of the pathway that many students take towards STEM careers and interests in STEM in their life. Great. Let let me take a step back real quick, uh, because I I know Saturday Academy. You obviously know Saturday Academy. And uh, many of our listeners maybe do know Saturday Academy. But I'd be remiss if I didn't take a step back. And uh, you know, for those who may not know 
what Saturday Academy is. Uh, can you just just give folks a brief uh, kind of kind of overviews, just a little background on on what Saturday Academy is and and, and what you do there? Sure. What Saturday Academy does. Uh, we know you're you're running things there, but just kind of what what Saturday Academy does and, and how it impacts students. Sure, no problem. Uh, so Saturday Academy is a 38-year-old STEM education nonprofit. We were founded in 1983. Thank by- you for telling everybody how old I am by <laughs> saying, you know, once once I said, you know, Saturday Academy was 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 in, you know, just just after I was born. Now you just told everybody how old I am. Just just you know, put me out there as this old guy. But I appreciate uh- you outing me. As a scientist, you seek the truth, so I understand it was your your duty to out me in that. Uh, Take so. comfort, though. I'm old, older than you, so I will always be older than you. So that's uh, I I got an AARP thing in the mail the other day, and I was like, no, I am not ready for AARP. Hey, you you start saying no, but then you see some of those discounts, and you're like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. That's a really good point. And some of this travel, hey, you know, like like American Express used to say, membership does have its privileges. But, you know, <laughs> don't just That's throw away cool. that, don't throw away that mailer so so soon without taking a peek at it. I am definitely going to have to do that now because I've just been throwing them out summarily, but now I'm going to have to check it out and see what I'm missing yeah. out on. Yeah, take a peek, take a peek, but go 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 ahead. <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt you. I had to throw that in there. Well. Back in 1983, regardless of of how old everybody was at that date and time, but in 1983, Jackie Jackson and Gail Whitney, our two school teachers in the Portland Public School Districts, really wanted to find a way to nurture the spark of STEM curiosity uh, and keep it going outside of the classroom. So they created Saturday Academy, which originally was Saturday afternoon classes, but has since expanded into four major areas of programming. We offer classes and camps on a full STEM portfolio of everything from nature journaling to the geometry of comic books, eerie neuroscience to careers in aviation. So a lot of fabulous classes and camps for grades 2 through 12. We also offer Saturday Academy to You, which are custom classes that are delivered directly at schools or community-based organizations. Then we have our Girls Engaged Technology Program, which is for fourth and fifth grade girls to provide them with a supportive space to learn about technology, design, and coding. And our last but not least is our Apprenticeships in Science and Engineering, which is a program for high school students that in an eight-week intensive professional level internship and that culminates in a symposium where they get to present all of their awesome work to the larger public. So it's uh, a lot. In the last about calendar year, now this has been a very, very weird year. So these numbers are a little bit, uh, little bit off because of the COVID pandemic. But over the last calendar year, we have served 1,800 students. Of those 1,800 students, 800 of them have been underrepresented or underserved in the STEM disciplines. Wow, that is that is fantastic. See, that, that's why I wanted to be a part of it. Well, it looks like we both wanted to be a part of it uh, as, a, as, as a kid. And so I, I know something I was always interested in. I used to think I was going to be this... Uh, this cool science person, uh, in particular, uh, my 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 mother loved uh, forensic science shows, mm. um, and so I always thought I was going to be like this cool forensic scientist, 
they they you know before uh, this is even before like forensic files came out and then uh, you know uh, CSI has been popular, but you have a show on HBO called Autopsy, and uh, there's this cool forensic pathologist, Dr. Michael Botten. I always thought it was going to be cool like him. And then, of course, this was after, you know, this was around the time the, the OJ trial had been out. So that's when, you know, the world was introduced to DNA and, uh, and, and stuff like that. And some of those doctors that would testify, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be one of these cool forensic science doctors. And uh, then I took a couple science classes and realized that that was probably not going to be in my particular future. Uh, yeah. But the fact that those things are available to folks so that folks can know and try things, there's so much value in that. There are so many of those, those, those kids that have been told, hey, you're not, you're not going to be good at this. Or, you know, maybe, maybe you should play football or, or, or basketball. You know, those kind of subtle microaggressions where they, where they don't uh, give those students those opportunities, whether it be in uh, you know, Lego robotics or marine biology or uh, astronomy, you know, the, to experience those different sciences. And oftentimes in the schools, there's not enough time to dive into some of those subject areas because they're spending their time, you know, on, you know, on the, on the core, uh, uh, on the core curriculum that they don't, you know, they, they, they don't have enough money to hire an, an astronomy teacher to teach about astronomy or things like that. I know there's stuff that I got to college now. My first time even really thinking about astronomy was in a, in a college course. You know, mm-hmm. to imagine being exposed to that uh, when I was younger. Like first time I ever got to look at a telescope and see the sun was in college. And I'm like, you know, to see some of the things that you all are doing and, and folks even as young as second grade are getting exposed to some of these things. Uh, I think it's fantastic. Could you could you talk a little bit about how that exposure at a, at a young age could could really help to develop these the, these young folks when it comes to the STEM education further and even STEM professions? Sure. Um, I'm going to use our Girls Engaged Technology Program. I, this is one of the areas where I am most passionate about as a female in a male-dominated profession. In biochemistry, there is still a preponderance of men that are entering the profession versus women. Now, that's not the case for all of the sciences. In biology and neuroscience, there's actually more females graduating with undergraduate degrees and then also entering graduate programs. Uh, but there are still disciplines where it is still male-dominated. And one of the disciplines where we've actually lost ground with uh, women representation is in computer science. So our Girls Engaged Technology Program is really fantastic because it provides space for those fourth and fifth grade girls in a female supportive environment for them to really get their first exposure and also their first validation that they can engage in these types of activities and that they are intrinsically good because kids are curious and kids can do amazing things. And so even if they don't go on to a career in computer science, but knowing that they have the option and the avenue to explore and learn is kind of our goal. So with the Girls Engaged Technology Program, 
we do these assessments about their confidence and their ability to see themselves in a career or learn more about a specific aspect. And the Girls Engaged Technology program has something like 95% of girls report that they have increased confidence in their ability to see themselves in technology and engineering in the future, like 95%. There's not very much in this universe that is at 95% approval rating, so to speak. Uh, But our Girls Engaged Technology program is really giving girls that sense of confidence and at the really important pivotal times in their life. Uh, One thing that I always think about was the first time that I, when I went off to college, one of the first classes I went to was physics with calculus. And I walked into that room and it was a room of 200 and there were six females in that class. And this is me as an uh, 18-year-old young adult. And that was incredibly intimidating. And that is something that we really need to get away from. There there needs to be the safe environment to allow girls to really explore their courage and their their curiosity in the technical field. So that's what our Girls Engaged Technology program does. And I think does it really, really well. Yeah, a lot of people really don't understand that intimidation factor. Uh, You made me think back to my college experience, my very first class uh, with biology one-on-one and there were 400 students and I was the only black student in the class. And not only just from that, but then when you, when you break up into your labs, you know, being the, the only uh, black person in there, like there were literally people who didn't want me in their, in their lab team. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and to, to think there's times where, you know, I may have known an answer, but because they didn't listen to me, I wouldn't give the answer. I wouldn't speak up. And that can be intimidating. And this conversation is so poignant because it also happens to be uh, Women's History Month when this is going to, to air. Now, for the record, we did not time this to be in <laughs> Women's History Month. We just oh. had such a bad time going back and forth in scheduling that uh, it eventually moved into Women's History Month. So I guess... The, uh, the timing was great for that uh, because this is a great conversation. And I'm excited because in, uh, my, my daughter is in the second grade and she is going to soon be in the fourth grade. And I'm excited for her to uh, potentially have the opportunity to be in that program uh, because I'm trying to push her. Uh, we had a, a great conversation with, our, uh, with Dave Barcos uh, foremost. And uh, in our previous podcast, and he talked about uh, trying to help make sure we have a, a trying to make sure that we have a generation of developers, not just consumers, mm-hmm. uh, believe what it was. And so my, my children have been really pumped about this game called, uh, oh, now I can't think of the name of the game, but all the kids are, are Roblox. Yep, and they love it like it's the greatest thing in the world. And I'm trying to get her, as in particular, to start thinking about not just hey, you can play this game, but you know you can write this game, you can code this game, you can make the things that 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 you think about. You can make a game like this. You don't just have to be the person that that plays it. And it's kind of opening up her mind to some things. And and encouraging her not just to say you can be what you want to be, but hey, I'm going to expose you to some of these other things academically. Like I got them in Lego Robotics and they enjoyed that. Uh, mm-hmm. They were with uh, Building Blocks to Success and 
and working with nice. the Antonio Jackson and hanging out there. And uh, I started to dabble with some stuff and coding with her a little bit. Uh, she was excited for about five minutes and then she's kind of moved on to some other stuff. But, uh, you know, a program such as yours that not only is providing the curriculum to uh, the, these young girls, but also providing uh, that space for them to connect with others who might be interested in that. So it's not just them feeling like they're in that room, you know, of, you know, X number of students and, and being the only one out on their own. It's, hey, these are, you know, 30 other young girls or other 60 other young girls, or however many are in the program that are also learning this. And it becomes kind of cool for for them to do that. So yeah. I, I really applaud that piece of it uh, that 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 you really really are, are really in, enforcing that in them and providing them confidence as they as they move forward in academics. So uh, speaking of women's uh, women's history month, one of the reasons why I feel that our work is far from done it can be traced back to something called the Draw a Scientist test, also known as DAST, Draw a Scientist. So the Draw a Scientist test was originally conducted in the, I believe it was the 60s, and of something like thousands and thousands of scientists that were drawn by children, less than 2% were female. And the Draw a Scientist test has been repeated over the decades, and the numbers have gotten better in some respect that, you know, we're, we're not quite equal male and females being drawn when children are asked to close their eyes and draw a scientist. Uh, but there is a pivotal shift from middle school girls to high school girls where the, the scientists that they draw tend to still be male. So it's really important to have that representation of a professional scientist in their lives and not saying that every girl has to go on to become a scientist or an engineer, but just to envision that women can be scientists and engineers is, is something that's really fundamentally important. And that's something that the girls Engaged Technology Program does because it's taught by a former engineer. That's one of the key things about Saturday Academy is that our instructors have professional experience in the fields that they're teaching, whether they were engineers or currently are neuroscientists or um, aviation experts, what have you. They all have that professional experience. So they can say, I am an engineer. I am a scientist. I am a biochemist. And let the students be able to see that this career is possible. One of the other things about the Girls Engaged Technology Program is they have the professional who is the, I am an engineer, that's teaching the class, but there's also near peer teen mentors. So there are high school girls that are helping out with the class as those near peer mentors to really help bridge that gap between ages and saying like, you have a budding interest in this technology, or at least you're interested in this technology. Here is a girl who is also interested in technology, who's a couple years older than you and um, can help guide you through some of the, ex the experiments that you're doing that day. So the combination of having a near peer and empowerment situation going on, in addition to having the role model of the instructor, uh, those things are very powerful and I think help create that supportive environment that will change these girls' lives. Yes, that, that, that draw a scientist uh, one really, really hit me a bit. Um, when, I, when, I, when I teach classes, I often give my, my students in it what I, is an implicit bias test. And it is similar to that, but I ask them to close their eyes. And I ask them to picture um, their, their loved one who took care of them, parent, uh, guardian, grandparent, et cetera. And I was like, imagine one of them had a heart attack. 
and they got airlifted to OHSU. OHSU had the best surgeon, heart surgeon in the history of heart surgery working there and happened to be working on your on your loved one. And they come out and they talk to you and tell you that the surgery went well, your loved one is going to be okay. And then I tell them to open their eyes and I ask them, how many of you pictured that surgeon being a woman? Mm-hmm. And uh, what is often shocking about that is that that test, like most people often reveal, like, oh, it's just men that think this way. And somebody might think, hey, I'm a feminist. I, I would like, no, you can't, even as a feminist, still have implicit bias on some of these things that are culturally perpetuated. So when I say the, the best heart surgeon, the fact that you don't think that, 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 that there's a vision of that that comes to your mind, the fact that if we say doctor, most people are going to draw a male. If we say nurse, most people draw a female. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that we have these, these things of male and female professions, that is the implicit bias you know, manifesting itself in our culture. And it stops a lot of people from being able to to get in positions of STEM. And then also stops us when we're even talking to children about the possibilities of what they can become. Mm-hmm. We a lot of that internalized uh, uh, you know positionality bias happens as a result. And so I appreciate you bringing up that that test. And I also appreciate uh, and that's one thing I appreciate about the Saturday Academy is your intention to address those marginalized communities specifically to ensure that they have access to, to some of these things. And uh, I do think oftentimes in our, in our culture, we're able to identify the problems, but we don't often think how can we be intentional about addressing those issues specifically. Mm-hmm. And I, I really appreciate you all doing that. One of the other ways that we're trying to work with underserved and underrepresented populations and being supportive in their exploration of STEM is the fact that our classes are very, very open and are led by the student voice. So, for example, our gaming classes, our gaming classes aren't designed for everyone to design a game that looks the same way, that has the same end result. Our Gaming classes are designed for students to come in there to learn the basic skills, but then go off and create whatever they want because we're not doing formal assessments because we're not uh, putting a structure in there for what we imagine the students' accomplishments to be. We are letting the students define their own version of what is success for them to be participating in this class. And that's something that I think is really important that the student voice is leading us and telling us um, when they're feeling that sense of accomplishment and what they actually want to get out of the class. I actually taught my first Saturday Academy class myself earlier this fall on data visualization. And, you know, I've taught this class many, many times to lots of different populations, but I've always had that kind of much more like, this is what we do. This is the result that we're going to get mentality. And my homework was set up for that kind of, you know, you're going to do this and you're going to get this type of result. Uh, But then as I was going along and interfacing with the students, they're like, oh, but I'm going to use visualization in this way. And I'm like, that's brilliant. Like, go for it. Run with it do that experiment. And that was something that was just really struck me about a Saturday Academy is that we are allowing that student voice to dictate what success is. And the most important thing that we can do to support our students is to listen to our students. Man, listen to the students? I mean, that's a, it's a novel concept. I mean, who does, 
anything like that. I mean, listen to students. I mean, geez. And that's why we have Minecraft classes and Roblox classes is because we listen to the students. Oh, trust me, man. My my son's in first grade. He loves Minecraft. That's when I realized some stuff just is yeah. not for me. Like, and I hate it. You know, we, we, we joked about my age a little bit earlier, you know, but I, but I feel I'm getting more to the get off my lawn <laughs> type of age because there's some stuff I just don't get. Matter of fact, it was hilarious. My uh, I, I bought a PlayStation, uh, and I'm using air quotes here, you know, yeah. <laughs> for the kids, of course. You know, that's that's one good thing about having kids is you can buy stuff and oh, blame yeah. them mm-hmm. for why you bought it. Uh, so, you know, playing playing one of the games that my, my kids like on it, and I brought multiple controllers so we could play at the same time. And, you know, my, my daughter, she's, she, she's eight, and she just goes, Dad, why are you talking like a gamer? I'm like, hey, 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 what are you talking about? Like, I'm a game. Like I'm a, I'm a gamer. She's like, no, you don't. Yeah, yeah, you're not a gamer. And I was like, I just got my first I'm oh. not cool, uh, thing, and and I like it's, it's it's killing me. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna learn some of this stuff. I, I, I tried playing Minecraft. <laughs> I don't get it. It just doesn't. I, I I don't understand it. I still don't understand Roblox. They love it, and it worked for them. And I last I realized that hey, I just need to listen to what they got going on. I yeah. can't do it because I don't understand it and they don't make it for me. And, uh, you know, I can go back to my old uh, Nintendo with Duck Hunt, you know, since you talked about the, the yeah. two beaks. And, you know, I, I, I could just go back to Duck Hunt and, you know, our, our Street Fighter and, and take it to when I understood gaming, you know. So I'm, 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 I'm yeah. getting back in. Uh, but you definitely have to listen to the kid. We're working on that at, uh, at East Metro Steam Partnership and, even as a, as a STEM hubs at the statewide level are really trying to make sure we work on, hey, how do we not only make sure to give the youth a voice, but put them in a position to where adults actually listen to the kids directly and, and so that, that they have a say in, in what, kind of, what kind of learning that they get when it comes to STEM. And it also, if we take a more student-centered approach, they're more likely to engage when they see how those things are relevant to what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that was great. Even how you talked about your journey, uh, you wasn't nece- you weren't necessarily just motivated per se by getting the PhD. You wanted to answer your question. Like you're like, I, I want to answer this thing. Mm-hmm. And to, to think that that can be tailored to students and say, hey, we, we're, we're not going to teach you calculus. We're going to teach you how to get this answer. Yeah. You know, if you would have told if you would have told me that hey, you know you can learn about derivatives and how to how to how to trade stocks by this math class, I would have been more engaged in the math mm-hmm. class. Uh, when you tell me hey, you just got to learn differential calculus for this just because it's differential calculus, I'm like, well, why do I need to learn differential calculus? Like that's the first thing students always say. Why do I need to learn this or why do yeah. I need to learn yeah. that? And the more we make it relevant for them, the, the better to be. And that's one reason why the A in STEAM is really important. So the arts, oftentimes people think that the arts is kind of an odd thing to be tossed into the STEAM acronym. But in fact, I think the arts are part of the soul of our students. They have multifaceted interests that are systems complex. And the fact that science and STEM is woven into the arts oftentimes gives us a way that we can truly connect with the students 
students more deeply. So if you just said geometry, geometry, taking a class on geometry in and of itself does not sound like it's going to be the best thing in the universe. But if you're taking a class about the geometry of comic books, now that's badass. That's awesome and fun. So using uh, different approaches to engage students uh, and and come at it in a multi multidisciplinary approach, I think, is more sophisticated and is something that the students resonate with. Uh, one thing that we forget is that our students, even in second grade, they are sophisticated. They can handle complex questions. They have very curious and agile minds. And so when we, we can give them more advanced topics. Uh, one other example of kind of student voice leading uh, a class is our investigations in microscopy class. And there, the students learn about light microscopy and about electron microscopy, and they prepare their own samples. And one thing that we thought was really, really fascinating is that the students prepared samples of N95 masks because they wanted to see how these masks were protecting against coronavirus. And we hadn't anticipated that they would be bringing in you know, the most important topic of uh, the last calendar year into this particular class. But the students are really sophisticated and have a great understanding of the world around them. And they wanted to ask that question about the N95 masks and layer that into their microscopy class. Um, so I think that the A in STEAM, bringing in the arts as a facet to how we can view the STEM disciplines is important. And I also think that our students are incredibly sophisticated and can connect many different concepts together in ways that we don't give them credit for. And that is something that Saturday Academy would try and do is listen to those voices and bring in those complex questions that they are more than capable of answering. Yes, they very much so. And I like to, to bring in the the economics and, and business pieces as a part of that, because, you know, let's say you establish that N95 masks are like the gold standard. You know, everybody should be using those. And then you start realizing, hey, wait a second, we don't got that many N95 masks. So, you know, how from a public health perspective, is it best to distribute these masks or who has those? And, and to start answering some of those larger questions as a, as a piece of that. Uh, I think it's I think it's fantastic. Hold on right there. We gotta do a quick break and uh let everybody know that once again this episode of the Real Steamy Podcast is brought to you by STEM Oregon. STEM Oregon, who is hosting the seventh annual STEM Week Oregon, uh, which is a statewide movement to raise awareness and celebrate and engage activities involving science, engineering, technology, and math. This year, they're partnering with Remake Oregon, uh, uh, partnering with sorry, Remake Learning Days across America for the first time. This year, the theme of STEM Week is Design, Invent, and Inspire. Uh, STEM Week is from May 8th to May 16th, 2021. There are various contests and other things available on the website. You can see the challenges for Make It Monday, Take Apart Tuesday, What Are You Wondering About Wednesday, Think About It Thursday, Field Trip Friday, Sounds and Shadows Saturday, and Soaring Sunday. There are challenges, activities, as well as a visual career exposition and field trips. Feel free to go onto the website and see what all the fuss is about at stemoregon.org slash stemweek2021. That's stemoregon.org slash stemweek2021. We thank STEM Oregon for the sponsorship. And, and when, once you start talking about uh, microorganisms and other cool stuff, you know, the first thing I started thinking about was uh, some of the light things and 
and and composition of elements. And you know, one of these days I will use a gas chromatograph mass spectrometer. It is on my to-do list because it always sounded cool on uh, on forensic files. And so I'm like, one day I'm going to use one of these cool things uh, just to say I, I used one. I've used an electron microscope and I always thought that was that was cool. And that was one of the fun things about college was being able to access some of those things that I never got to even see. I just heard about, uh, mm-hmm. you know, on, on TV. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's really cool that a lot of a lot of kids are, are experiencing some of those, and uh, we are excited that that uh, we're going to actually host some classes out in East County for for some of these county students. I think we have uh, uh, yeah, just posted a couple classes that are available for uh, for spring break, and we're looking at having some more available uh, this summer. But uh, can you talk a little bit just about the the types of classes uh, that you have offering? You talked about about some, but you know what? 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 What would people be surprised about if they kind of went to your website and looked at your class offerings? I think they would be surprised at how the arts do get integrated into our STEM catalog. People oftentimes think Saturday Academy is Lego Robotics is probably number one when it comes to people's minds, but then they think about really discipline-specific things like chemistry and uh, neuroscience. I think people would be surprised to see that we do have a lot of things that blend together different disciplines and also blend together the arts and the sciences. So for example, our nature journaling is a fantastic class taught by a wonderful individual who really blends that biology and nature together with the expression of self through journaling and really emphasizing the communication aspect of how we can connect better and deeper to STEM. So I think that people would be surprised to see that we offer so many different classes that are with that arts perspective. And another thing is communication. If science happens in a vacuum and nobody hears it or talks about it, does it really happen? Uh, We really believe in the power of communication. So we actually have classes on things like Model UN and public speaking and speech and debate. And that is in part because communication is so essential to any discipline, but in STEM particularly, we want to be able to share the exciting things that we are doing, and that requires some pretty core communication skills. So we offer classes that really get to that, both in the written and oral formats. So I think that's something that people might be a little surprised at. Um, One thing that we're starting to do more of, which is really popular, are careers in days. So these aren't full classes that are going over weeks. They're one intensive day where we dive into a specific type of career. Um, So we had one for Port of Portland, just the different types of careers that are at the Port of Portland. We've had them for aviation. And our most popular ones are in medical sciences, where students can learn about what it's like to be an oncology nurse, and well as being a cancer biology researcher or a geneticist. So those type of STEM career programmings are really, really popular, and they give kids a great opportunity to see multiple futures that could be available to them. Really cool. I, you know, you surprised me. I didn't know you all did uh, model model UN work. So I uh, have to have to make sure you all connect with. Uh, I work with the the folks at uh, at the Oregon Model United Nations. So we'll have to get some of your students hanging out with us. So make sure they have a uh, not, not our high school students involved in that or just the, the young high school students. students. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
and I think we've had some middle school students, middle school students engage in it a little bit as well. But it's it's really awesome because they culminate in a final event where they're pitching and trying to gain support for a particular political package that they put together. And they are they're doing the formal recognition, like the speaker from Bolivia recognizes the speaker from the United States. It's just so cool because they are they're they're doing such an incredible job, and it's just so inspiring to see the level of professionalism and intelligence that they can bring to these scenarios. Oh, 100%. So you got to get them, make sure, because some, some of their schools don't have uh, teams that are connected with the, uh, the Oregon Model UN. Uh, mm-hmm. So one, it's great that they have that opportunity. Uh, but, but definitely, yeah, better come and hang out. We usually typically uh, have about 1,100 students when it's a normal year. Um, and there's a, a big conference that, that happens at U of O every year where, where all the students get engaged. As a matter of fact, they're doing an online one this year. Um, next month, as a matter of fact, actually. Nice. Uh, they're doing the, the big state one. So, uh, I, I will look. I, I will look that up, and I will try to ignore the fact that it's the University of Oregon. I am an Oregon Stater, so <laughs> yes, I am as well. Uh, oh, beeves. Yes. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I, for the kids, I end up hanging out at um, hang hang out at in Eugene every year. That's not a pandemic. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that one's it's been going on since like 1947. So I'm like, I I gotta. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not one to like, hey, we're never going to have it here anymore because, you know, I can't stand the duck. You know, you know they kind of ingrain that in you when you when you go to uh, Oregon State that, you know, you just, you know, the, the you just can't like the ducks. But that is OK. I do it for the kids. Yeah, for the kids. Uh, because, it's, because it's for the kids. Uh, yeah. And our, our friends and children, if anybody is a, uh, a Marvel fan and watch WandaVision, you would get a kick out of for the children. Uh, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, well, what I did want to make sure we address, we're, we're, we're a little bit, uh, we, have, we have a few minutes left. Uh, one, I wanted to, to make sure to iterate that you, that you all also, uh, that you guys do hire instructors. So folks who are interested, uh, who, who may want to give back a little bit, who've been in the profession for a while, uh, you know, or even early stage, or may even be retired, uh, may want to, you know, give give back. There's some opportunities to teach available, uh, and even design some courses. Correct? Is that mm-hmm. uh, yeah. still available? And they could go on your website for that information. Yeah, of course. We're always looking for instructors who really want to be engaged with kids. And you can uh, give us a call at 503-200-5858 to speak to one of our staff members. Or you can just shoot us an email at info at saturdayacademy.org. We're always recruiting for new instructors. And you can pitch your own class or you can see if there's a class that you might be interested in teaching. Um, We do pretty much, you know, if you're an interested instructor, we will work with you to try and find an opportunity that aligns with your skills and your interests, as well as the needs of the community. So yeah, just reach out anytime. And we're always, always looking for new awesome people to share their love of science with uh, students. Right. And then another thing I wanted to make sure to make a point of, because that was one of the, one of the reasons uh, you know I wasn't able to participate uh, when I was a little bit younger was, uh, was there was a, there, there's a cost associated with with, with some of the courses, uh, but you all do have tuition assistance available for some folks. Can you talk a little bit about that and, 
and how it might work. So if someone who is, is really interested in, in some of the courses are their, you know, their their parent and they're interested in some of the courses, but they, they feel they don't have the, the, the funds to pay for it, you know, does that automatically exclude them from participation? Absolutely not. We have a robust tuition assistance program that is funded through philanthropy and grants. So in the registration process at the very end, there is a, um, if you might need tuition assistance, we ask uh, you to fill out one question and then it will automatically apply tuition assistance to your basket of classes that you've selected. And if you have any questions or any problems or, or if you want to see how, if you'd be eligible or not, you can always just give us a call again at 503-200-5858. Our goal is to try and provide as much tuition assistance as possible. And um, sometimes people don't realize that it's built into the registration system. It's right there. It's just one question. It's not a separate application at all. So uh, we try to give out tens of thousands of dollars of tuition assistance every year. So please, um, uh, if you're interested at all, go ahead and check out those classes. And then the tuition assistance is at the end of the checkout. And if you have any questions, just give us a call and we will be happy to walk you through that. Great. And also philanthropists, if you got a, if you got a little money laying around and you, you need a place to deposit some of that, I'm sure you can give Jackie uh, a call and uh, she will find a way to put those funds uh, to good use. So don't let your, 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 your funds or your donations just stay in your pocket if they're burning a hole in them. You yeah. can find a hole. Uh, you can find a home for those donations over at at Saturday Academy. Uh, anything yeah. else that you want to to kind of share with the folks, or I want folks to remember as we as we kind of wrap up here. <laughs> I just want to let people know that the goal of Saturday Academy is to spark curiosity. So our biggest joy is watching students light up when they've learned something new and fun and exciting and they want to share it with others and they want to learn more themselves. The best class that we can possibly answer have is one where students walk away with more questions than when they started because they're just so jazzed about the subject. So if you have an interest in sparking curiosity, consider volunteering or uh, working as an instructor or a mentor, or if you have children that you want to watch their face light up with that aha moment, uh, send them our way. We are really so honored to have served almost 200,000 students in the Portland metropolitan area over the last 38 years. And um, we just really want to continue doing this fantastic work and be led by student and community voice. So if you have any questions or ideas, send them our way. And we really want to hear and engage with you all. Uh, thank you very much. We 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 didn't. We're gonna have to have you back on the show at some point. We didn't even get into your work with with Oregon STEM. That we're that we're so happy that you're you're helping represent East County as a piece of that work. We didn't even get to jump into that and jump into some of the other cool stuff. So we are gonna have to bring you back, and you're definitely gonna have to tell us more about your your college and work. Because now I'm I'm I'm, I'm interested. And I'm changing my dissertation topic. I'm <laughs> jumping out of leadership. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going into into biosciences. So uh, you 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 sold me on it. And I want to thank you very much. Everybody, give a big round of applause for Jackie Warren. She doesn't like me to call her doctor, but I'm going to do it today. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know you can call her you know Jackie Warren, PhD, or, or Dr. Jackie Warren. I just call her jo Dr. Jackie. But, yeah, <laughs> uh, she is fantastic done great work uh, 
and we just appreciate having you on the show. Thank you so much. So, uh, for more information, please feel free to go to SaturdayAcademy.org. That's SaturdayAcademy.org. You can register uh, your class for classes. Uh, you can find out about instructors and mentors. You can find out about internships. There is a lot of information on there, and uh, or you could give them a call 503-200-5858. That's 503-200-5858. So we thank Jackie for taking the time out to be with us. We thank Saturday Academy for partnering with us. Uh, please feel free to look on their website. There are a couple of classes that are being offered on spring break, as well as in the summer that are free for East County uh, students. So we're excited that partnership is going on and will continue. So please, please make sure uh, if you have students in East County that they're signing up and taking advantage of some of these free classes that are being offered for them. Thank you so much, Saturday Academy. We appreciate the partnership uh, in the STEM partnership as well, and as well as what their work is going on in the community. We thank Oregon STEM for sponsoring this week. Make sure you go to the website and learn about STEM Week Oregon. And we thank all of you for taking the time to be with us. So from all of us at the East Metro STEAM Partnership and all the STEM folks from around the globe, we ask you to take your time and make sure that you always keep it real, real STEAM. Thank you and have a great day.